0: And then yesterday I realized, well, this is now totally outdated, but let's talk about it anyway. But
1: Bitcoin burns so much energy that it is comparable with whole countries. And if you are a user of Instagram, you probably have noticed
2: that Instagram finally brought something to the user, which is
3: chronological feeds. And They call it the invisible computer, because the lens, you put it into your eye, it's not visible from outside, and it's doing a lot, so to say, inside your eye. <coughs>
1: hi and welcome to episode 22 of the tech review every two weeks we gather to discuss the hottest topics from science technology and innovation on camera 4 today <laughs> this was the wrong button <laughs> on camera 4 today we have Vincent on camera three we have Chris on camera two we have Henrique and on camera one this is me hi I'm Tarek so, if you like what you see here, you can f- of course follow us. If you like what you see here, you can follow us on our website, IdeasEngineering.io, and FreeTechAcademy, or of course on many of our social media channels. And you can find the links down in the description or in the show notes, depending on uh, if you are watching us on YouTube live or on Spotify in the audio version. So, uh, let's jump into the news. Who is first? My list says Henrika with uh, Elon Musk.
0: (laughs) Amazing, that's actually one that I thought, like when I read it, I immediately posted it into our backlog and then yesterday I realized, well, this is now totally outdated, but let's talk about it anyway. Um, So he announced uh, via Twitter, I think two weeks ago, that um he wants to or like he he posed the question whether he should like uh create his own social media platform because he was not happy with twitter um following the criticism that he or like he said it doesn't allow for free speech so um the sec currently is uh regulating his tweets after you know the past incidents we all know about um, leading to a stock sell-off, for instance, um, and he now has to always have pre-approval from other executives uh, from Tesla before posting something. And so he basically just tweeted, uh, what should be done is a new platform needed. And that was kind of the um, the uh, in- initial thing that led to this article, like... Um, Does he want to create his own platform? Could be like if he says something, like we all know that something is coming. Um, And uh, in the end, it's yesterday, it was announced that he now is the largest individual shareholder of Twitter, in fact, because he now owns 9.2% of Twitter stocks. So maybe now the question is, rather than does he also wants to have his own platform like Trump or whoever, um, wants does he want to influence the future of Twitter and like um, influence it from the inside uh, now that he's actually owning quite a big share? Um, so yeah so the, the question now for discussion changed a little bit <laughs> but I found it um, quite interesting and there's a maybe another fun fact I read I think on Sunday also with regards to the SEC uh, court filing against him because he he um, he quoted Eminem in the latest one that he uh, had to hand in from Without Me. He uh, quoted the SEC instead of I don't actually know what the original one is in the Eminem song, but it fits in perfectly. The SEC won't let me be won't let me be me. So let <laughs> me see. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, this is the never ending story of Elon Musk and Twitter. It's quite fascinating.
1: Yeah, I uh, looked into this article as well and um, I think it's weird. Uh, I think there is actually uh, some agreement with Tesla that he's not allowed to tweet about Tesla without the explicit permission. Uh, because of these effects where he says something and suddenly the stock prices uh, change and uh, fall into the abyss. And so um, he actually did something illegal <laughs> based on, on the agreements with Tesla by mentioning Tesla in his tweets. So this this already is some weird, weird uh, dependency that there exists. At the same time, if he now um, creates his own social network and keeps it like closed, uh, where nobody can see his messages, so that he does not accidentally influence um, the stock prices. This is again not the um, the, the way that social media is, is supposed to work, right? Really crazy. Yeah, I mean,
0: and also now with simply with his announcement that he now owns 9.2 percent, the the value of Twitter stock went up mm-hmm. as well by like 20 something percent. Yeah. Because, I mean, he has so many followers, I think the most as any other CEO um, worldwide. So whatever he says, like so many people are actually seeing it and reacting to it as well. Like the audience is quite engaged. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's almost like a godlike influence. Uh, Simply by sending out one message, he can uh, crash the stock market or increase the value of companies. He's like... Like God, <laughs> crazy, yeah. But I mean, this is um, the world we are living in today with the uh, uh, tech giants, and I mean, um, I really like Elon Musk with his all with all of his uh, visionary work. But I'm, uh, I-, I hope that he's aware of the influence that he has on everything around him, and that he kind of, um, yeah, de- deals in a humble way with it. I'm not sure if this fits his character, but he's he's he really has so much influence on anything, everything around him.
0: Yeah. yeah but I absolutely. also now continue.
1: Yeah,
3: just just wanted to like uh, stress what, what Tarek just said. So let's just hope that he's not being torn to the dark side of the force, right? Since since it's exactly like you say. So there's one person who has lots of influence just by doing something, telling something, or just also as now in buying something and then maybe influencing the thing uh, from within, which is a tendency we see anyways uh, in, in various aspects and factors nowadays.
0: Yeah, and what I also found quite interesting in the article, like just in general, they compared it like now after Trump with his social media platform and other big, like company, like new platforms from other companies. Um, so there's a tendency of, like, adding more to the to the big bunch of social media um, offers out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be a surprise and it, it seems to be like a trend anyway to, uh, you know, increase competition there.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The trend. So And that's the, the dangerous thing, right, so that people with the respective amount of power actually can um, create their own realities. They make the world the way they like it just by mm, announcing and stating that mm. it is in a certain way. And just by buying, well, maybe the social media channels or may it be uh, communication channels as such, news channels. So, this is, a, as you say, it's a tendency, right? And we see that also nowadays, especially. Um, quite often, quite intensively. And of course, that is also dangerous because there is no independent news source. There there are independent news sources, of course, but uh, here we see the danger that that news sources are not independent any longer if they fall into the state of being bought and being owned by single persons or individuals.
2: I think that every social media company starts out with the idea of free communication and free, uh, not bound to any kind of direction, communication between people and parties of any kind. And I think then life, you know, takes its stake. So you have governments and you have different regulations. And then it turns out that, um, we also are learning. I mean, look at things like social media marketing before, Fire festival, and now everybody has to mark that they're advertising something. And I mean, that's something we had to learn the hard way. And so I think that every social media platform, you know, starts out to do the same, and then free speech is uh, more problematic than they actually think, or you realize that free speech is something that is very hard to achieve. And I think this, this, um, Identif- or this, this, this idea of free speech always gets mixed up. So I think in the, in the Musk case and Twitter, yes, maybe with a new social platform, he would be having more ability to speak freely. But I'm 100% sure that there is also somebody else who feels limited on his platform or who will be feeling limited. I mean, look at Trump's Truth app. Yes, he is more free to say what he can. I'm pretty sure that there are groups out there who will not feel as represented on there as they probably feel on Twitter, and the other way around. So, um, I think that is a very general problem. And in the app, um, in the end, not in the app, uh, it is I think very, very hard. And I think that one player alone cannot tackle this. I'm I sure sh- I think a media company and a social media company would make a great match when they have ethics. I mean, hence and it's a development there, but also other companies. I'm not saying this because I'm working here. I'm saying this because I think with ethics and somebody who knows speech and somebody who knows, you know, social media, I think we could they could create something great.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, let's jump to the next article. Uh, next one on the list is me, and I bring news from, uh, I'm not sure if it's considered news. It's uh, a very interesting article uh, with the analysis of this problem of Bitcoin burning uh, fossil fuels and uh, being very, very hard on the environment. This is one of my uh, my, my favorite topics um, regarding Bitcoin. I myself, I'm, I'm a fan of blockchain technology, but Bitcoin... Uh, burns so much energy that it is comparable with uh, with whole countries. I, I, I spoke about this, I don't know how often in the, in the tech review here. Um, and from the technology point of view, it is completely unnecessary. Uh, it is this uh, so-called proof of work um, that is used um, for um, running the blockchain. And uh, there are other mechanisms that can do the same thing without burning so much energy. And this article um, says or analyzes that... Um, um, Electrical vehicles, since they were uh, created, uh, saved like 50 million tons of CO2 so far. And this is great. And this is why why uh, we all should uh, change from combustion engine engines um, to at least um, um, electrical cars. Uh, but Bitcoin wasted so far 114 million tons, so more than double the amount that we saved with electrical vehicles. So uh, the Bitcoin blockchain um, itself wastes so much CO2 that we kind of negate all the, the winnings that we have with, with electrical vehicles. Um, but the question is, why do, don't we fix it? It's, it's a technical problem, so we could technically simply change the software. But the problem is that this change can only be rolled out if the majority of all miners accept this change. This is how the consensus protocol of the blockchain works. And the big miners already invested millions of, uh, in, into specialized hardware that mines in the way that the Bitcoin blockchain needs to be mined. Uh, so, with this wasteful proof-of-work mechanism, and changing the algorithm would cause a massive financial change for these, uh, fi- financial uh, damage to these miners. Um, so there's a very, very low chance that they all agree to this, and as long as the majority of miners um, insist on keeping the protocol um, unchanged, it will not change. And uh, from the political point of view, actually China is the one Um, Who went forward and already banned the use of -of proof-of-work mining? So it's forbidden in China to use this wasteful way of of mining and this is actually very good for the environment So weirdly China is here um, the forerunner uh, and Europe and America should actually think about if they follow China because um, without this governmental regulation, there is zero chance that uh, the miners actually agree to this change. And so we keep burning um, fossil fuel basically for the blockchain, for, for the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, from the tendency, it, it rises every every year. So this is, this is crazy. Any thoughts mm. on that?
3: Although Ch- China has not really uh, ecologic, ecological reasons actually to do so, right? So this is more or less <laughs> a political thing, I'd say.
1: Um, yeah, might be, but the result is that China forbids the usage of this proof of work. I'm not sure how the um, how yeah. the actual wording of, uh, of, of China is, if they um, ban like specific blockchains or if they ban the proof of work mechanism. Th- this is a good question, I don't know that.
2: Um, I have a very basic question. I always felt like I know a bit about this stuff, but now I'm just asking myself, I mean, we could also just invent a new currency, isn't that? something we could technically do yes which works which just works with other protocols i mean i'm invested in crypto a bit and i was looking for these kind of stuff so i i have different coins i think are better for the environment and my question is could we just optimize a coin for um for sustainability due to the fact that in the end all it's worth is based on what we believe it is worth i mean that's the basic problem and question of cryptocurrency uh so i mean we could just shift our uh, stakes there to a much more efficient cryptocurrency, couldn't
1: we? Yeah, they, they already exist. We, there are so many coins um, that are doing exactly the right thing, and they prove that it is completely possible. But that's not how the stock market works. And people are buying and selling Bitcoin and they love Bitcoin because it is Bitcoin, because everybody else loves Bitcoin. So there is this monopoly of interest. And people say, okay, we love Bitcoin because it's Bitcoin. The other options are there. If the investors who play around with Bitcoin, if they all agree to, oh yeah, let's move to another cryptocurrency and boost this one, perfect. Bitcoin would die immediately, but that's not how we work. We people, we see Bitcoin is valuable, so we buy Bitcoin because it is valuable. But it is only val- valuable because we run there and buy it, yeah. And, and the demand is there. Um, so so we 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 as society, we in our thinking, we enforce that we cannot leave Bitcoin. And this is like this, what's it called? Like a self-fulfilling prophecy, like this, this chicken and egg problem that we cause for ourselves. We could at any point of time simply switch to another coin. It's already there, but we don't do it because we are stupid. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's how our economy works. Yeah, and that's, um, and, and usually I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, like uh, governmental regulations and over-regulating everything. But in this particular case, I'm not sure if we have another choice then have the government intervene and actually enforce um, moving away from proof of work. Because I, I don't see any other option um, and, and I don't see that this problem will solve itself.
3: Yeah, especially as you said before, right? That uh, so many people and miners actually have invested lots of money in their uh, infrastructure, in the technology. So of course, this is also something which is difficult to change. I mean, if you have like, um, taken a specific path and invested in that path and this is not only crypto mining right this is lots of uh, developments we see nowadays then um, you are invested in that you have like um, put lots of money in there and of course you do not want to lose that so you just (laughs) let things as they are you just stay as you are and yet just just go on with what what you did before because it's the cheapest way uh, in the short term uh, sense in the long run of course it might be
1: very very expensive right right okay um but enough ranting about bitcoin let's jump to the next topic vincent instagram's testing and you ah yes yes we don't skip that him
2: yeah, so this is about Instagram testing a new feed. And if you are a user of Instagram, you probably have noticed last week, I think, or the week before, but I think it was last week, actually, that Instagram finally invent brought something to the uh, to the user, which uh, we all have been demanding for years now, which is chronological feeds. And you actually have new two f- new feeds. The one is uh, just everything in chronological order. The other one is a favorites feed, where you can add as many favorites ones and you can see All the stuff that's going on there chronologically as well, really, really cool. But still, there is this other feed, and nobody really knows why it's there. Instagram tells us that they want us to explore and to, you know, see new things. And yeah, that is true on the one hand. But on the other hand, you know, isn't Instagram about personal connections? So it's a bit, it's a controversy at the moment. So now Instagram is testing a new feature, which is full screen and full content feed which means that now and that is actually a big problem for Instagram generally looking at TikTok looking at other social networks maybe coming up um, is that Instagram now has a few feeds which actually are kind of related but kind of not because Instagram has the story feed where you you know swipes through through the stories Instagram has the main feed for everything you'd post there you ha- Instagram has the reels feed and ex- Instagram has explore and all of these feeds are connected but Sometimes they are not. And that leads to a problem that Instagram cannot as recommend as well as TikTok can, because TikTok has just one feed. So now Instagram is testing a feed where everything is included. So you scroll through it and you see stories, you see reels, you see the regular feed posts, you see something new that usually would, you know, either come in the regular feed or on the explore page and all of that in one. And that would lead to Instagram knowing much more about you Nothing that they not know today, but they can use it much better to give you a great experience. This is something in beta phase, so nobody knows if this really is coming out, but they're obviously working on it. And I think, personally, I think this would be amazing because I think Instagram is such an extremely powerful tool. I mean, if you open up the app, you can do so many things there. And Instagram is still doubling down on some features. They still, I mean, they have, but they're still getting better. So Instagram is focusing on messaging and on video. And so Instagram is really a 360 degree app at the moment, but it's true that TikTok is better in terms of personalization. And this actually would you know, be a game changer for Instagram. And with Instagram having so many users, I can see that it, this would be a crucial time for TikTok because it's, it would be one of the very first times that actually an old player would, you know, overthrow a newer player by stealing its technology or, you know, the idea of its technology. I mean, Instagram has done this before, but usually there were like the, the cool new kids on the block and now Instagram is very established. You know, it's not a startup anymore. So um, yeah, this, I think it's very, very exciting. And then there's the the bad side, of course, because as we all know from TikTok and Instagram, could can already do this, but they could do it much better than is they could send you down rabbit holes. And obviously, you would end up at places you probably don't want to looking at mental health, looking at I don't know, um, different kinds of communication you probably network. So, there's both sides, but I personally think it's great.
0: I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see how this will look like in the end now for, from a user perspective. Like as on TikTok, it's always video content and you seemingly, you know, swipe through and it's always the same kind of um, visual um, how to say it, like experience that you have. On Instagram, it will be a mix of video and, and posts that are static where you see a picture or you know so this will be interesting to see how this then if that is like a nice experience or is that irritating in the end
2: i don't know if we do this here but the video there actually shows an example from a beta test instagram did so if you could play this you definitely see how it works it's really cool so as you see there are different videos their feed posts but their story as well as you can see then there is new accounts you could follow uh, and I mean, look at looking at this, I don't see why you couldn't also see your latest messages you haven't replied to and things your friends have shared. And I think this is really a great place to start.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, I mean, I, it
0: takes the control from the user to like, instead of like, now I want to look into my messages and now I want to reply to them, you like get them thrown at you. <laughs> I mean, it has its pros and cons, but I mean, yeah, it's just, just at the end of the day, Um, it's just a matter of how um, used you are to it. Cause even if it will be irritating at the beginning, if it's, you know, this immersive solution, it won't take long and everybody will be like, yeah, I don't know why it hasn't always been like that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Instagram is also, I think, coming up with this now because I mean, this idea, sorry, Tarek, did you want to say something? Sorry, no, go ahead.
1: I just wanted to mention um, that I'm always a, um, a fan of simplicity first and having like this one for you page on, on TikTok um, is a great thing because I don't have to think about anything. And I mean, yeah, of course, it's also like a pain sometimes yeah, because uh, I'm... I'm uh, sometimes send into these clusters that I might not even want to be there. And then I have to intentionally swipe away uh, this content to, to break out again. Uh, but it's, it's a new way of communicating like with this algorithm. And um, if this one is uh, more successful, then um, it, it might be like a logical um, evolutionary step for these platforms to go there.
2: I, I, think, I think so. And I think that in, Meta right now is really scared of TikTok because this is one of the links we skipped uh from last week uh tiktok is also launching its own story feed um and it's still in one feed so you scroll through it and then from time to time you just see that there's a story you know and you can click through it and then swipe again so um i this is pretty much the same experience i hope uh, yeah not footing anyone, but it, in the end it is. So um, I think they right now are testing it because they're just extremely scared that if stories for TikTok comes to all users and stories definitely is one of the most beloved features of Instagram, Instagram will just be obsolete after some uh, some time because I mean why why not do it as simple as possible? Go to TikTok for everything.
1: Okay. then next one is Chris ar contact lenses chris you are on mute sorry sorry about that
3: yeah the mojo lens uh we have spoken about, about that like i think one two times in the tech review beforehand um so the difference is now they are feature complete um so thing is more or less ready to be produced um so they say that uh, it still takes some time, right? So within the next five years, actually, they um, want to uh, want to start production, but um, it is so far developed, right? And it's it's striking what they have actually um, done there, right? It's they they call it the invisible computer because um, the lens, of course, you put it into your eye; it's not visible from outside, and uh, it's do it's doing a lot, so to say inside your eye, right? So it's um, it's actually projecting various information onto your lens so that you have this augmented reality information um, and can yeah somehow interact with that, work with that. Um, the thing is, we should not actually um, take that as augmented reality as we have discussed it well like in, in other contexts, right? So it's not like the mixed reality glasses where you have a virtual layer and uh, where you actually can uh, interact with virtual objects in reality, um so this is not the case. So what we have here is more or less something which we call virtual assistance or augment- augmented assistance, right? So you have a actually quite small field of view, which is only fifteen degrees um fifteen degrees. So this is a third um, a fourth of the uh, commonly available um yeah mixed reality glasses, which we see out there at the moment. And uh, so it's it's only part of that. But um, it shows for various use cases, then the uh, some, some information, right? For instance, if you're doing sports, then it can actually display various parameters which are important for you. So that would be um, the all-day use case. But there are also, of course, like um, specific use pa- cases, like um, from medicine or so, when people actually... Um, are not able to, or or their vision is actually somehow um, limited, then the lens can uh, enhance the contrast, it can um, improve the visual sight, it can zoom in actually to make something more visible. All of that might be use cases for a lens like that. So yeah, this is where they are actually um, heading to uh, within the next years. And um, the important thing or the the interesting thing is that this, as you can see it also, like in the pictures, is really a little computer, right? So I I think it might be a strange feeling to have all of this computer stuff onto your lens, onto your eye. But in the end, it's like a real contact lens, right? So this is the first layer. So probably it's not not different. But what's really impressive is the heart of the piece. And this is the display monitor, which is only um, 0.5. Millimeters in diameter, so it's directly in the center of this of this lens here, and um, it has like, um, I think it was 14,000, they said in the text, 14,000 pixel per inch. So this is the densest or the most dense display um, in the world as they claim it. Um, and I could imagine that, because if you really want to put so much, so much information into such little monitor, you really have to have a dense um, amount of, of pixels in there uh, to actually, yeah, um, realize that. And I think it's an interesting concept. It's really, mm, yeah, striking. It might be useful for the future, for future use cases, as well as a medicine, as well also in, in all day use. Um one thing might be a hurdle or a, a burden, actually, and this is um, that it has to be produced specifically, right? So the like any other uh, contact lens, it has to be produced individually for the user and for the lens, for the for the, for the eye of the user, and that of course makes it a little bit diff- difficult. And that you have like the streaming device, little computer, which is actually positioned in your neck, and that is then doing um, all the processing. So maybe we can have a look at one or two of these videos. So this is what you see, right? And here we also see the little field of view, which is just 15 degrees. So you only have parts of the whole screen, of the whole display in your, in your view, in your vision. It's even better to see in the other video. So it's a little bit like um, a light bulb in a dark room. So you only um, have a light at the spot where you're looking at. So lots of eye tracking there. And this information will be will be visible then.
2: Well, I think that's incredible. I think that uh, yeah, no, I think it's really incredible because I mean, I think uh, because I think now on more or less bridge technologies like the Apple Watch, for example, where I think that people love this because it gives them so many you know abilities to you know give them further information without having anything in their hands. But in the end, this is still a device you have to charge every day, and it's just ridiculous when you think of it that the battery you know drains over time and like okay, i don't want to trash apple watch now i'm just saying that this is like literally the next step because obviously this device will also you know gain more power over time looking at something you have in the neck I'm pretty sure this will you know evolve and then you know looking at the development will also pass so i um i i think that um yeah, this really makes a lot of bridge technologies right now obsolete. Uh, Just like, you know, uh, just like Glasses, you hear uh, music with or listen music to with. So
1: I think that's pretty great. I cannot...
0: We'll all be cyborgs in the end. (laughs) <laughs> Having that in our
1: eyes, I, I cannot imagine how this actually works. How is it powered? I mean, um, with all the glasses that we see, the AR glasses, they all have this problem of hiding, like batteries or uh, the connection to the CPU and and, and all of this stuff. Um, and here it seems like, yeah, no, we we just we just do it. <laughs> we have this thing you put it in your eyes and it just works. I mean, just works. It's it's a yeah. prototype, of course. But I I have yeah, I it, can't imagine how this works.
3: Of course, there. Uh, I mean, this is really a very thin um, foil battery, which is actually being um, yeah produced on this little lens thing there. And um, they say if you use it continuously, it's actually um, it has power for two for two hours, right? So this is not not really long. Um, so depends on the use case probably, or maybe you need like two or three of these actually to change them, and whenever the one is actually being loaded, you can use the other. Um, I don't know so as I said it's it's not it's it's feature ready but it's not market ready yet so that will take some more years they also have to look for real use cases and also for well in the end mass market use cases so they are like talking to adidas for instance already uh, checking out if if it might be a use case to have all these sports parameters projected directly into your eye I don't know mm, they're heading for uh, 20 to 30% of the market as far as I remember Um, regarding AR and and mixed reality glasses. So that seems to be quite optimistic, actually, to be honest, especially if you think that all the lenses have to be created um, and produced individually depending on the lens, on the eye lens of of the user. But nonetheless, I mean, it is a start and it is a development which actually we we, we, we just should um, follow, which we we should keep into, um, well, which we, should, which we should keep into, into into the eye, so to say, uh, in the sense of the word. Um, so, because it has some potential from my point of view, as you just described it. If it really will be the one who is a game changer in the end, let's see. Or if it's then only only for medical purpose. So, that will probably, time will tell. Right. right. To right. me,
2: this feels a bit like, like a startup that uh, we will never hear of for another, like another five years because some tech giant, you know, buys it right away for X billion dollars. Nobody hears about it, uh, you know. Um, and then they come up with a with a product based on this. I see like Microsoft or Amazon grabbing this right away, and you know, taking it off the market to work on whatever Alexa product they're thinking of. If I hope I didn't turn any, Alexis.
3: No <laughs> if Apple buys it... It's a possibility. So in the end, it, it only depends on the use cases, right? So as I said, this is AR assistance. This is not what we would call mixed reality. And this is not uh, metaverse, uh, real-world metaverse interaction for the future. So this is, from my point of view, more
1: specific. And if Apple, for now. If, if Apple buys it, right. I have my iPhone, my iPad, and my ii.
2: <laughs> I, I. yeah, internet, I, nice.
1: Okay, we still have uh, some articles to cover. Uh, Henrike, satellites from the printer.
0: Yes, I am finally back with some space content after a couple of weeks without it. I thought it's about time and I just stumbled upon that in one of our brands. Well, I think that's a premiere as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a new German startup called Reflex uh, Aerospace, and I, uh, I, you know, got the attention of it because the former head of Airbus Scale, the uh, innovation unit of Airbus, he just left Airbus and uh, joined Reflex Aerospace. I think this week, and it's a, a German, or like in general, the German launcher and uh, satellite. Startup scene is growing um, amazingly in the past year. So we have um, ESA Aerospace, Muneric, Mineric, Mineric? I don't know how to pronounce it, and now also Reflex Aerospace, for example. And they um, are focusing on medium sized 3D printed satellites of like approximately 250 to 500 kilograms and um there's i think another um eu-wide satellite constellation that they're planning for for bug-proof broadband internet and they want to jump on that and want to be part of that in in a consortium that's their big goal for now um and to be like the fastest satellite manufacturer at least in europe because of course competition is already there and is strong um, they want to be able in the end to only you know need three months for design three months for building it three months for testing and then launching it which is already quite fast but compared to uh, SpaceX they produce eight satellites per day right now and Reflex Aerospace are aiming for 80 per year. So there's still big difference, but for the German mentioned startup and satellite scene, um, that would actually be, um, that's a niche that needs to be filled and they are ready for it. Um, They also mentioned, and that's touching upon another topic we also spoke about a while ago, um, or a couple of times actually, they state that like life duration of satellites of 15 years is not necessary anymore. So shorter time in between, in between replacements is possible and is what they're actually also aiming for. So the whole topic of space debris and um, all the garbage we have up there already, this will increase significantly, even though they might need less material per satellite due to the 3D printing um, solution. In the end, if Lego like, is shortened and um, they're launching like so many uh, in, in such a short amount of time, it will just increase heavily. And I think on Sunday or Monday, there was also an article from CNN just about that because, of course, um, there are scientists who um, uh, you know, being or claiming again um, that, like, the night sky is uh, you cannot really see the night sky anymore because of all the debris that is floating around. So, many interesting or like many relevant um, things when it comes to that. Like, for the private space uh, industry in Germany and Europe, this is amazing to have another player in there and also filling a, a new niche, but for the broader, I mean, the problems we already have now, they will just get bigger
2: as well. <laughs> you said launching. How are they going to launch these?
0: Like how or where or like...
2: You said they're going to produce them, test them, etc., and then yeah. launch them and I don't know with which
0: kind of launch provider, but I mean, they could partner up with uh, ESA Aerospace, for instance, the Munich-based startup that is like building smaller kind of launchers, not like Ariane big or SpaceX Falcon kind of style, but smaller ones, which could be a possibility. But yeah, that is not mentioned in there. Um, with whom they want to launch them, but um, they probably are in talks with different uh, yeah, companies. Yeah.
1: These, these news, um, they feel so much like science fiction um, and if I, at some point of time, I will create something like a compilation of uh, all these crazy news stories, like uh, satellites from the 3D printer and uh, these bionic eyes that we are discussing. And uh, it's, it's so crazy. We talk about these things. They are news. They are developed right now. Uh, but I feel like 10, 10 years in the past, it would be like uh, citing science fiction literature. So crazy. Yeah, and, and also. Pro- and I mean, ju-
0: it's just a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the satellites made out of
1: wood. Yeah, right. Right.
0: <laughs> so, like, now we're going from one material to another.
1: Yeah. And we have, like, <laughs> yeah. too much space but- debris, and we build moon colonies. <laughs> yeah. But
3: does it really have this uh, science fiction quality? I mean, if we think about the classical, so to say, science fiction. Um, sphere of star wars and star trek and whatever they are called and uh, also like the dystopics like blade runner so like everything is more or less so perfect it's high-end right high-end technology and what we see here indeed it's this it's the same technology so we have ar we have vr we have um satellites we have like um lenses which you put onto your eyes and then ar content is being projected uh, into your lens directly, everything. So all of that is there. But um, from my point of view, there's a huge spectrum, like in quality, right? So what we see here is, of course, the dawn of a new te- technological age, if you wanted to put it that way. But it's really, really, really the absolute beginning of what might be possible somewhere and of what we think about when talking about science fiction, right? So... Um, what we see here with the lens, for instance, I mean, of course it works, but in the end, 15% field of view, only text, um, only green, <laughs> um, only two hours, and probably also you look a little bit strange with such a thing into your eyes. But if we think about like cyber technology, as we know it from all those science fiction series, I see, well, a difference in in the spectrum of quality there. So, yeah, technology is there. So, yeah, it is more or less science fiction, but it's still at the very beginning. And from my point of view, we see that with all the other technologies as well, uh, most of them, actually, which which we are talking about. So it's it's really cool that we get there, but it really will take a while, maybe um, a life or even more, even longer, until we really can talk about a state of quality and uh, experience which we know from from science fiction yeah
1: I, I mean we are always at the beginning of something and some other technologies are already um, like like uh, everyday items if if you take a look at the science fiction from the 60s or 70s yeah, uh, where, where they dream of having portable computers and self-driving cars and virtual reality devices and those are already kind of standardized in our modern society, kind of. Uh, so of course, when we talk now, what we do right here about the cutting edge stuff like these uh, contact lenses, yeah, they are not right for, for a broad market, but technically every day that I use my smartphone, uh, this this is already kind of science fiction for the, the previous yeah, generation. This, yeah, sure. I mean, this this is alien technology anyways. So, but,
3: (laughs) okay, but uh, uh, nonetheless, I mean, I know I see the point you're mentioning, but uh, what I also recognize is that with all these technologies, we are just like, so to say, scratching the surface, right? So, like, take virtual reality. I mean, it's really cool. It's really nice being in there and doing all these things. But um, this is still um, a niche, right? It's still... Um, a, a quite small um, market and, and uh, amount of people who really use that. If you compare that to the whole world market uh, out there, and um, I think the reason is clear. I, we had that last time also. I mean, we are a school. It's especially if you have like, have like certain use cases, but um, there's still so much to be done. I mean, um, VR headsets—they are big. Um, The resolution is not that cool. The usability could be better. I mean, we are on the way, definitely. And also, like with all this metaverse hype and so, um, we have started something. But nonetheless, I mean, we can be honest that it it will take a while. It will take some years until we reach um, the Ready Player One level. I mean, I think, yeah, but I think you're being a bit unfair because
2: this is different for every industry. I mean, look at, for example, now the article Henrik brought about the uh, satellites. Uh, if I had a 3D printer, which I, I mean, this, for example, is something we're not scratching the surface. Yes, 10 years ago, 3D printer were like a few thousand bucks and then you had a bad one. Now you can build one yourself off uh, of an article you can find online. Uh, you have a database actually, and I'm sure these article uh, these satellites will find its way into the database where you can get open source materials to build your own satellite with a 3D printer you built yourself at home. So I don't know if we're scratching the surface. I mean, I could do what NASA did 20 years ago in my living room now. And I think that is something pretty incredible. And I don't think this is just scratching the surface.
0: Yeah, I think also like with, at the beginning, just to add on that, like, of course we're always scratching at the at the surface because I mean we're always looking for innovation and to to you know go further, but the amount of time when you that is needed between like scratching on the surface and actually have then have it as a standardized product in you know in your life, this is getting shorter and shorter, like and but, but obviously it it can feel like you're always just at the beginning because there's always something new and then obviously you're always like just starting with it but um to make it then like market ready or like for your daily usage the times just getting shorter and shorter because we're getting quicker in in, in developing all of these you know science fiction kind of we're stuff. always
2: finding a new surface there's always yeah, a new
0: th- that's, that yeah we can put it that way. We're always exactly. finding a yeah,
3: new surface, this, yeah. This, of course, you need a frame to which you can relate to, right? This is this surface, if you want to put it that way. But if we talk about like science fiction, that was actually so the original um, vocabulary uh, stated here. And if you take that as a relation, then we definitely scratch the surface. So it really is quite a way to get there, what we know from science fiction. So as I said, we see the technologies, we see the science fiction technologies, but we see it in a state which is still very early. And um, yeah, maybe we will experience during our lifetimes, actually the development that really might reach the science fiction level, which we see in all those series and movies, um, which we call science fiction. But I mean, it's for sure, this is not what we have reached nowadays. And, and I mean, but, the current level of science fiction and the relation of technologies where we are at the moment, not from the 70s, not from the 60s. Of course, if you refer to that and you have a relation from the 60s to now. So, yeah, we are all super-powered humans. But yeah, because like really also the, the,
0: the level of science, the surface science fiction yeah. surface level is also like always changing. So then obviously that's kind of... Just how
1: it is. Okay, uh, let's yes. let's jump to a topic that is a little bit more um, <laughs> non-science fiction, but uh, very very current for us as uh, as news media corporation, right? Um, I would like to uh, have a look at Google's new developments in terms of cookie technology. <laughs> Absolutely no science fiction, no rocket science. Um, the you, you might remember that Google had uh, the plan to get rid, rid of all the cookies in the Chrome browser until 2023. Um, and last year, Google created the system called uh, FLOC, or FLOC, the Federated Learning of Cohorts, which was supposed to make uh, cookies unnecessary. Okay. Um, and this is an unsupervised learning locally in your browser um, that takes your complete browser history and assigns you, based on your behavior uh, to cohort uh, with similar uh, Chrome users that have like similar um, usage patterns. Um, and this was supposed to be privacy preserving um, compared to cookies uh, because you get still some personalization of ads, but no personal information of you is distributed uh, to, to, the, um, to the vendors, to the uh, advertisers. Um, but there was a lot of resistance against this approach and Google now has a new approach and they call it Google Topics. And Google Topics is interestingly a manually curated list of topics. And then again, your browsing history uh, is, is used to determine which of those uh, interests match to you. For example, sports. yeah, And um, then every week you get like a new topic assigned or added or replaced of of your list of topics. And it maintains like a list of five topics that represent you and your interests. And then you get like another random one, the sixth one, um, so that you uh, don't can, you um, are not like, um, you can't be identified by this fixed set of of, uh, five topics. You always have some random uh, topic in there. Um, And, this list is then shared with the advertising partners, and so they can then decide to send you sports ads. Um, and the list of uh, this your, your uh, topics will never leave your computer. It's, it's all um, handled there. All the details of your, be- of your browsing behavior never leaves your computer. Um, and th- this, again, sounds like, okay, a step in the right direction, but uh, the advertisers are still not happy with this approach. And right now they are, uh, or at least this is what the the article says, uh, right now um, a loss of 70% of revenues is expected uh, due to the loss of third-party cookies that we will face. Um, And they fear that it will even get worse when we start uh, dealing with these um, pre-audited lists of topics that we will then be assigned to. And um, this is really serious because Google, of course, with a Google Chrome browser is the the biggest player on the market. And if they decide to ditch the cookies, this will have a massive impact on on the whole industry. And so this is, of course, for us interesting, but uh, basically also for everyone who works with cookies and who is dependent on the revenues uh, generated by um, advertising. Right. Um so it's it, um, from my point of view, this is maybe for for us even a more important topic than like the satellites <laughs> or the contact lenses because this is actually cha- shaping our whole industry uh, the next years. and Google is determined to to push through this until 2023, which is coming very, very soon. Do you have any uh, opinions about uh, cookies <laughs> or the the browser browser behavior? Yeah, I'm not sure um, how how deep you are in in this. Um, Right now, I'm I'm uh, touching a lot of these fields uh, with advertising and uh, monetization strategies. Um, and uh, I'm really curious to see if they find a way um, to solve this problem, because somehow they have this roadmap of uh, getting rid of cookies in 2023, um, which is really, really soon. But if I read this and the problems that that they have uh, with this uh, flock system and with these topics, I'm not sure um, if they will be ready next year to actually replace uh, the cookie with something um, usable, yeah. and from from the change, um, they they have this unsupervised learning, which sounds very modern, and now they exchange it to a manually created curated list. This is usually the other way around. So we we replace like a smart machine learning uh, with a team of people uh, creating manual topics. Sounds like backwards.
2: I think. Um that, I mean, that this is what we know from Google, it's always been that way, but I think it's really interesting that Google is, again, creating something that seems to push you further into the Google universe, because obviously uh, you can only, I mean, the most valuable user for an advertiser, then again, would be somebody who would be using uh, Google products to, uh, you know, browse the web and do whatever they can. I mean, I'm sure this, if this is successful, I'm sure they will expand it to other other Google products you're using since they're all free. So of course they want to monetize this by more at, at ability or if you, I don't know what you want to call it that. And therefore, I mean, it is, it's in everybody's interest that you're a 100% Google user and more and more and more Google user. And um, this right now to me is very, I mean if they really ditch this um it would on the other hand mean that the industry entirely would have an extreme interest in you using chrome i for one don't like chrome that's just me um but um what would this mean for me because if if you cannot monetize me would this mean that in the end the website would tell me like dude You can either pay or you can use Chrome, you know. And therefore, I would be forced to, you know, go to Chrome. And now this is, I mean, this is a very bad, like universe I'm building right now. But now imagine this being brought to other, again, other products of Google. um, And therefore, you know, ditching a lot of other stuff that is usable with other products. This would down the line mean that. A lot of products would tell me, "Hey, you can either use the the lock-in from Google or not lock in. And you could either you know use a, a Chrome device, hence the software I was bringing last time, the Google OS Flex, a Chrome OS Flex, uh, or you can't you know you can download a specific software. And I mean, this will not happen because there are other players out there but in a world where Google is not, isn't even stronger than it is here, this would really mean that we would all be destined to use Google forever. I think that's horrible.
1: Or, or the other way around. I mean, um, if the Google browser does not allow the advertising partners to make any money anymore, it might actually be that a website that is available for free, if you have like advertising on it, um, says, okay, the Chrome browser is not supported anymore. Use another browser, or we can't display you um, the the website because um, we can't make any money due to advertising. Or we switch to other advertising uh, to other monetizing models, where we say, okay, uh, the the free content that we have based on the advertising revenue is not um, maintainable anymore, and so we only have um, like a paywall and a subscription service because otherwise we are not able to monetize anymore.
2: But isn't that even worse? I mean, look at all the websites we're presenting here. All of these websites are not worth subscribing to. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. I would never subscribe to Digital Trends or TechCrunch or social media today. It's, it's the way it is. And I mean, yes, maybe if they find a subscription model that works, but in the end, people are not ready to pay for stuff online. That's just how it is. This is the Internet. So, I mean, if this happens and TechCrunch would tell me, hey, dude, you know, you got to pay or you got to use you know, another browser, I would just say, you know what, I'm going to ditch TechCrunch entirely, which would lead to TechCrunch telling me, okay, okay, you, you, you better stay, you know, use us and we'll find another way. Meaning that TechCrunch would lo- lose a lot of revenue. And I would just say, hey, cool, I'm going to use Google Chrome because I don't need ad blocker anymore. So my internet is faster uh, so due to the fact that, you know, nobody's advertising on Google anymore because nobody cares. So either way, this is bad, I think.
1: Yeah, this is um, a very interesting shift because on the one hand we say we make advancements in terms of privacy and uh, the new system will increase the privacy of me as a as a user, but we actually um, endanger the whole advertising industry and at the end it might be that digital publishers will go bankrupt because their monetization model completely uh, crashes. And I'm not sure, um, I I saw this number of 70% now for the first time in this article. Um, I I have to dig deeper if this is actually the prediction, but imagine losing 70% of your revenue because the technology changes and you're dependent on this this form of monetization. then you really have no chance. And as you said, um, subscriptions are profitable, but you are not selling so many subscriptions as you have with users on uh, on the free advertising pages
2: look at companies like i look at apple changing their tracking system inside ios and immediately companies like snapchat lost 50% of their revenue like right away facebook same i mean yes these companies they have money and they have product and you know they can develop something else but now look at a startup not having this kind of a, a possibilities but building on that and just because a software changes because I don't know, whatever, some strategic decision was made in of another company you will never have contact with, uh, your business is, you know, going to be bankrupt, so that is horrible. And I mean, it's happening today and it's just one more, more example.
1: So um, yeah, th- time is running short. Um, we can go on. I'm not sure if you ha- still have a couple of minutes, um, then we can at least take uh, one more or two more um, articles. The next one would be from Vincent.
2: Yes, I'm going to make that quite, uh, quick. So um, WhatsApp it has, a big, it has a big problem called Telegram. And Telegram actually experienced to be used a lot for chatting. Yes, but not that much for like personal connection. Telegram is much more is for community. So you create a group, you invite a lot of people there. You can share that group link. People can add, become, come to it. And there is an admin or somebody else who you know starts posting and he posts stuff, and all of its entered is uh, encrypted, so you know nobody can enter the conversation without being invited, and they cannot change anything. Okay, so now WhatsApp is realizing that this is a big problem, especially due to you know the crisis right now with Russia, and they're realizing that forwarded messages, messages people don't actually read, or they you know they read and they don't get what's written there, or maybe it's just a lie. I mean. We also have to face that a lot of stuff for what it is just bullshit. I mean, look at all these chain mails that, you know, I have to write in my chat some kind of disagreement to Facebook and my Facebook logo will turn red and then I'm okay. You know, I, I mean, we all went through this phase in 2011. Um, so all of this is a problem. And Meta slash uh, WhatsApp ha- are now determined to change that. So what they're doing right now is, for one, you cannot forward that many messages anymore. You can forward uh, for messages individually, and you can also do that into a group chat. They're, it's not like they're they're killing this feature entirely, but they're stopping you actually if am doing this too often. And I think that is a very smart, very smart way uh, to make sure that people, you know check out what they're actually using and not just forward everything to an entire list or actually even worse to a broadcast and maybe more broadcasts and groups. And then on, so this is one thing they're just doing for privacy, I think that's great, but there's something else they're doing right now and I think that's much more interesting. So WhatsApp will create something that's called communities. And communities is exactly what Telegram is used for. So WhatsApp will create or change or better, you know, uh, replace the camera icon because you know, WhatsApp status. What's that again? Um, that will create. It will change the uh, status icon. We'll exchange it, the camera icon, actually, for a community icon. And there you can create a community. It's it's pretty much like group merged together with some kind of broadcast. And what you can do there is you can you know invite a lot of people and you can share the link. It's public, but also you can only enter it if you're if it's you know open that strange people enter it and um and you can enter a link and there you can you know set all these kind of settings like do you want people to 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 talk do you want only to you know publish as an admin and people have to listen because that was a big problem with broadcast because broadcast was meant for people to you know communicate to a few people or more but it wasn't actually meant for companies to you know push out their products just to to some kind of phone number list they bought online and now with communities to bring this feature back to actually enable companies but also creators and also in, of course private individuals to invite people to a group and make them you know share their thoughts and ideas there and this actually is highly 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 important now for whatsapp because telegram is growing so fast due to the fact that people in there. Uh, have this, and I mean, yeah, you can see it as a good thing and a bad thing, but they have this very unregulated room to to share and to to talk. And WhatsApp was really limiting uh, limiting this, uh, looking at freedom of speech and everything. This really was a feature that was overdue. So communities will come to WhatsApp. And first of all, it will come to iOS WhatsApp later this year. If you don't know when, we don't know when, uh, but uh, it will come. And I'm really, really, really excited actually because I don't use Telegram for anything but for communities. So I hope I can kill one more app from my phone because, um, you know, everybody will use WhatsApp again and I think that's great. Okay. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Telegram. I'm, maybe I'm uh, a little bit in the wrong direction, but Telegram already has this this function of um, g- groups where you can, like, post community messages I think um, I'm not sure if this is the same thing uh, but uh, yeah
2: this is exactly why telegram is growing so fast because whatsapp is not enabling this feature and don't have does not have this kind of feature and telegram has it so that's why they're you know bringing it hmm. in to again meta stealing stuff from other companies
0: <laughs> okay this could be the headline of also today's tech review like <laughs> <laughs>
1: um... Yeah, uh, then I think we still have three articles from Chris. Chris, do you have like a, a particular order or some, one that um, you say you need definitely to show us? We have Wendy, we have Fashion Week and we have Alphabet.
3: Yeah, let's go for the Fashion Week maybe. That's uh, actually it was quite interesting. That was last week or the week before, I don't know. Um, that was the Fashion Week in Metaverse. Also an article from... Uh, from one of our brands. And um this is a uh, a report about the experience um um our uh, actually uh, tester actually had in the metaverse uh, in Decentraland with the fashion week. And um well it was special. <laughs> so as you can imagine, I mean um we have Decentraland, we have this browser-based metaverse Game, um, a little bit Minecraft pixel resolution thingy like, um, and then you have like um, a fashion week there, and of course, um, I mean fashion. I think it's it's really also difficult, right? So why are metaverses big at the moment, as we as we know them from the hype? Because they have an ecosystem. We had that last time, right? You you can actually produce stuff, you can sell stuff, you can. Um, it's blockchain based you can you have nfts you can buy them you can sell them so you have real money or cryptocurrencies at least in, involved so that is an um, economical system which is uh, so the basic motor of of all of these metaverses then and uh, the basic structure which has the potential actually to act as a second life platform but of course there's a little bit more to that and also um, later on um, it will be the usability, um, the use cases, and the resolution, of course. And uh, as we know, like in Decentraland, um, there's potential uh, to improve that. Um, nonetheless, if you have like, uh, especially fashion, fashion is something which is a very optical thing, right? So there's lots of visuals in there. So the vision is a very big, a very impressive, a very important aspect um, in this type of art, so to say. And um, hmm, it's cool that fashion actually goes into the metaverses, but also, again, so we are stretching the surface again. Um, of course, you have, like, not the resolution, not the um, photorealistic effects, which you might is, e- expect when you talk about fashion, right? And so this is a little bit what also the author of the article describes when she actually went into this uh, fashion week and uh, was running around in the metaverse in her browser and was a little bit lost, uh, didn't know exactly where to go and what to see and how all these mechanisms actually, game mechanisms uh, actually work. And then, okay, you get, um, you get this kind of fashion and it's interesting, it's new, and um, it's cool that, so to say, the industry goes metaverse but also here um it was quite in the end there was a uh, a statement which which she gave which i think was quite um down to earth she said um it's difficult to take the whole thing serious uh, i think that's that's what she said and maybe if you just go down a little bit um that that was the last phrase which i have in my mind and um this is Uh, the uh, experience which I can understand from a specific point of view, because if you expect like big fashion and then um, you get video gaming um, graphics um, from the 20s, uh, from from the 2000s, 20 years ago, so then, um, of course, that might be might get you a little bit down to earth. And the last, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's actually the main point.
2: Sorry, I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt it's, you. I'm sorry.
3: No, 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 I was finished actually.
2: I just wanted to say that the last point actually destroyed my question I had ready, uh, which is that hey, do you would you would you agree that we need more? Reporters and more journalists covering what's happening in in the metaverse, and probably not only decentralized, but also, and on other platforms. But um, I agree with you that it I think for a lot of potential readers, uh, this would just be really hard to t- actually take seriously. So I think the
3: It's the same as with the the lenses we had before, right? It's a question of use cases, right? And um, also a question of uh, user groups. So this is why, why I said that maybe the fashion user groups are not the best market potential to target to because they have high expectations. Most of the times they are not really like techies. They, they expect like um, photorealistic stuff and everything. And then they get this. I mean, if you're a techie, if you are into gaming and so, then you know what to expect. Then you know how Decentraland works. Then you know it's a Minecraft graphics thing. Then you know um, how the whole technology behind that works. And then, as I said, you know what to expect. And um, your uh, expectations are maybe not that high. But if you are non-techie from, from the fashion field, and have high expectations, and then are being thrown into like um, uh, uh, yeah into the well, into a browser-based um, game with the graphics as we know it, then. <gasps> You might be disappointed. I don't. I don't say that it has to be. Uh, I mean, there are many cool things, right? So you can. You have this this economic circle on, based on NFTs. You can buy wearables. You can use them in these games. Maybe later on, they will also be transferable from one metaverse to the other. But this is what I mentioned beforehand when we had the science fiction discussion. We are still scratching the surface. So there's so much potential in there, but um, there's also so much. Potential, which we still have to achieve to get there, so <laughs> it's a start it's, it's yeah i
0: mean I mean if you want to get the people in there for the passion, they will be disappointed if you want to get them in there to make them familiar with this environment and with this with this game, and they enter in it with that purpose, like I want to see that game and that environment then it may be like interesting and fascinating for them but if you really you know want to do it like on the fashion uh, level then it will be like what the heck is that
3: yeah Uh. exactly so this is the spectrum thing again right so we have like the metaverse entered now on a let's say let's call it low spectrum uh, or the low end of the spectrum and then we have so to say the science fiction end of the spectrum which might be something like uh, ready player one and um the fashion guys of course they would expect more something like the ready player one thing and not the lower spectrum end which we see nowadays if you have other user groups if you have other use cases it might be perfectly all right i mean look at roblox they have like uh, i think 50 million uh, uh, users um so currently returning so this is um this is really something um, this is a number right and and Okay, it's a little bit different to what we see, but not so, so the difference is not that big. And
1: um, yeah, the question is, who's the target group? What is the use case? And I think um, technologically, it would be impossible to use like volumetric cameras to actually create a real time 3D uh, image of a person. I I guess it will be very expensive and it will probably also have glitches and something. But I guess this would be more in the sense of what the creators of this experience had in mind, like a photorealistic representation in the metaverse. But um, it's probably not possible with like open source stuff and uh, the like budget technology that um, the organizers then probably use. So um, the creators, I could imagine that the creators had a different quality in mind when they started working on that. And in the end it was just not feasible on their budget.
3: Yeah, exactly. So in the end, that's exactly what you say, right? So Decentraland as a, let's call it, budget platform might be not the right fit for fashion. But let's think that a little bit further. If we think about the real world metaverse, if we think about mixed reality, I mean, we have applications there where you have like holographic uh, Figures and figurines actually walking through your personal space and something like that also with fashion is possible, right? Of course, it's more expensive and it's more high end, and you would need like something like a Hololens and not a 2D, um, 2D slash 3D video game um, on uh, on your desktop. But um, something like like this like that might be possible. Indeed, you would have avatars walking. Through your personal space, uh, presenting the newest fashion, and it might have um, a very cool uh, uh, artsy, fartsy design and appearance and something glamorous and it would appeal to the to the to the eye of the of the of the fashion fan, right so but um, that is different. Also, nowadays, uh, regarding the technological level to what we have in Decentraland, and of course, there's still, as we had it before, lots of potential up to the science fiction level we were discussing beforehand. But it is
1: possible even nowadays, but of course, it's expensive. Okay. Um, so, we are massively over time, but still, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Chris, maybe uh, you, you just bring the two articles that we didn't cover just for the next time. Thank you so much for the great articles again. I'm always flashed about the advances that we do. It, it feels like really every two weeks we are the ones that deeper in, in uh, like sci-fi, if I say it like that. Uh, in in the sci-fi world and i'm really looking forward to the next two episode 23 in two weeks from now um this will then be the last time that i'm like on the road and not in my studio so have a nice day or evening depending on the time zone you're in and see you next time bye see you then if you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode, and for that we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you, and if it was, please give us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode.